Hello, everyone. Welcome to the How Did I Get Here podcast, where we discuss ministry and pastor life. And I, your host, Cedric Beckles, talk with others and where we answer the question, how did I get here? All right, so today we have on the podcast Andrew Rogers. Andrew uh, is not just a friend, but also a coworker. So welcome to the podcast, Andrew. Yeah, thanks. I'm uh, super pumped to, to do this. Um, all right, so real quick before we get into our time today, just let people know what is it that you do and how long you have, how long have you been doing it? And we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm the student pastor here at West Hill uh, with Sed and along with the rest of the team, but. Uh, I've been doing student ministry for a little more than 10 years now. It's, uh, it's the only type of ministry I've, I've been in professionally or as a staff member. Um, kind of started as interning here and there and then, then grew to, to getting some staff positions and finally made my way here to Ohio. All right. So before we actually get into our, um, some of the aspects of our conversation today, I was thinking, I was not just thinking about this. I was actually having a conversation with someone about this the other day, and I know you would be really good to talk to about this. So the other day I got home and sometimes you obviously will resonate with this after a long day of answering emails and text messages <laughs> and, and in, in my role in counseling, when I get home, I, sometimes I, I go home as if I'm running from the paparazzi. Like I get home, <laughs> I pull into my dra- into my garage, I close my dra- my garage as fast as I can because I'm like, all right, the day is over. I'm done with talking to people. It was a good day. I enjoyed it, but I'm finally home and it's done. And so I got home kind of like with that attitude, uh, you know, greeted by my wife and my son. We're, you know, we had our normal evening things. And then I'm sitting on the couch and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I'm kind of in the mood to like hang out with someone tonight, you know, like it's just, you know, there's not a whole lot to do, you know, after the end of the day. It's like, you know what? So I, I talked to her and I was like, hey, you okay if we like hang out with someone tonight? Just kind of like call someone for a quick impromptu hangout. And my wife was okay with that. And so, so I started to think about, okay, who can we text or call to see if they're free tonight and like to hang out? And I'm sitting there and I realized real quick that I don't have a whole lot of friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, well, so, so it's, a, like, it's a unique thing. Like, pastors just don't have a no, whole lot of friends. No. Um, and I, I find the same thing. Uh, and I find even, because for anyone that doesn't know, I'm kind of the newest, um, not just to the staff, but also um, the newest to the area. And so I, don't, I didn't do the grew up here and know all the families and the grandparents and grew up with this guy playing baseball or anything like that. And so... There's not that long list of people to like go down to, to find. Uh, I feel like, man, I feel like we, we've done that everywhere we've been too. Um, somebody told me something I thought was really smart one time um, that our relationships, uh, and they were actually talking about the same thing, like that pastoring can be a lonely thing for you and your family. And they said, think about it like this. You're a, you're a Lego, a block. Maybe you're a six peg block or a, a 12. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm probably like a four. <laughs> um, I'm probably like a two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so you can only put so many other Legos directly onto that one. And so if I've got this one great friend that's connected here and one here and two more, well, I'm full. And then 
like the church realm, what then after that? The next layer is people that know me because I work at the church they go to yep, yep. and not because we're friends or acquainted through work or something we do together, but because, well, yeah, that's the guy that works at the church. Yeah. Now I, I have to say this. People who are going to be listening to this that know me personally are going to roll their eyes because it is known if you're if you know me you know that I am one of those lucky people that have a dynamic friend group like I really do so I mm. can't I can't complain yeah. too much um, because I have some really close friends in fact one of those close friends was Matt who was on the podcast so if you haven't checked out the episode with Matt and I go back and listen to that episode but Matt along with some other people they are really good friends of mine so I do have this close knit group of friends but at the same time you know life happens and we all have children and and so so they're not always available for you know the quick hangout most times they are but sometimes you want to spend some time with other people as well so when i I was sitting there thinking about this and then i was talking to someone about this conversation and like you said pastoring could be such a lonely thing i think people don't think about that Um, most of the people that we interact with we're interacting with them because we're either pastoring them or pastoring their families, or we're leading, or we're teaching them in some way. Um, especially if you're in a church the size of our church. If you're in a church about five, if you're pastoring, if pastors are pastoring in a church about 200, 300 or more, there's probably a whole group of people that know them, and the pastor doesn't know who they are. So sometimes you have people walk up to you. So there, so there's this weird relationship dynamic and when you sit down at the end and then you realize wait i know i'm using quote fingers here i know a lot of people (laughs) there's a lot of people who i have touches and interaction with but i don't have any friends yeah i find that it's really hard to find someone or or a couple people that can look at a relationship that i have with them and take out the he's a pastor and so like the pressure to always be on as a pastor is then spilling over into the relationship friendship of, well, can we go do this thing with you because you're a pastor? Or can we actually just be a friend with you because you're a pastor? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, 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 it really makes it, makes it very interesting. And then I, I thought about this as well. Like, so you, you start to think about that. Obviously, you've alluded to it. So you start to think, okay, you know what? I really do want to spend some time with someone. And that's part of pastoring. Like, it's one of those things we can't get away from it. And we, as much as we may say out loud, that we want to get away from it from time to time. We need breaks. The reality is we love people, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I think you and I, our personalities are very much alike. We're both, you know, like we're, we're, we're like professional extra extroverts, you know, <laughs> right, like we're not, yeah. we're not natural born extroverts. No. We're just professional extroverts. <laughs> yeah. So being by myself is really not a problem. I know you, we've talked about this before for you. It's the same, you know, you could go on a hike by yourself or do something by yourself. Yeah. And I'm the same way, but even with that said, we still love people. So it makes it very interesting. It makes a very interesting tension in your heart when you sit down and you're like, you know what? I want to hang out with human beings, not <laughs> parishioners. Yeah. So that would be great today. And then you look <laughs> down the list and you're like, I don't know who that would be. But yeah, it's, it's just an interesting yeah. thing. And I, when I look down my list, I think one of the things that's maybe a little different for me is I go, I have those people. Um, but that one lives... 800 miles away that one lives 300 miles away uh, well and and they're, they're so scattered and I go well my Lego is filled up um, but they're not here and so that makes it makes it tricky as well as I go through the list and go well I can't just do that hangout thing because we're literally across the country from each other and so that always makes it makes it tough and um, 
and I see that dynamic play out differently too with with Shayna, my wife, um, with her relationships and the way that you know her Lego is definitely bigger than mine. <laughs> like she's, she and I are not do not operate on the same spectrum, um, like personality wise. But um, you know I've seen the exact same and and also the other side of that coin with with relationships and being able to get close to people. Yeah. All right. So, so with that said, uh, similar to myself, you are a transplant. Now, I've lived in Worcester. I think I'm going into my eighth year now. So, um, wow. by no means am I more like from here. I'm still I'm still very much unlike people who are from here, which which is a good thing. You know, I think I think some people hear that and they they feel threatened by that, but I think it's a good thing. Um, and you know. From a staff perspective, you are coming in, like you mentioned earlier, you are the newest member of our staff. But, you know, for people who've been going to our church for 30, 40, 25 years, you know, somewhere right. along the way, like our staff is completely different than it's ever been in its history. And yeah. one of the things that's very different about it is it's more diverse from a cultural perspective. I mean that from like region of the country before almost everyone that was on staff here was from literally from this town and <laughs> now that's that's not necessarily the case i mean our lead pastor is from southern ohio you are from multiple places in the south i'll <laughs> yeah. let you get to that here in a second um i am not even from this country <laughs> um you know so so it's interesting we have some other staff members and team members that are from different parts of the country so very broad question we're going to get into it how in the world did you get here? We know the short answer. We're pastors. God brought us here. We know that. <laughs> right. But but how did you get here? Like so, what what is what are some aspects of the past? You've pastored in um, in Washington D.C. You've pastored in some other places in the southern part of the country, and now you're here. So just how do you how do you get to this place? Yeah, I um, I, you know, we've uh, as I look back on like the stops that we've made along the way. I say we a lot because Shane and I are just. It, it seems like there isn't a me without her, and so. That's always, always that's been a part of my story since high school, and um, and really that's that's almost where it started. Not to get too long-winded, but um, I felt the pull of like student ministry and 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 God working on. Hey, I, I I want you to do full-time ministry. I want you to work for me in this way. You can work for God in in whatever field you do, but specifically, this is what I have for you. And so as that played out, there just seemed to be these openings of. Well, hey, here's a internship in Birmingham. Take it. Don't ask questions. Take it. Ended up working at that church afterwards, and Shane and I moved to Birmingham. So we were in South Mississippi, where she's from, and bounced to Alabama, and then from there bounced back to Mississippi, and um, took kind of my first real staff on staff job at a little rural church um, in absolute middle of nowhere, Mississippi. Um, really terrible name for it was Busy Corner. There were three people in that town. And that's the, the actual name. The, of the name town. of it is Busy Corner. Huh. Um, and it's it's very much the opposite. Um, <laughs> and so we go from a place like that to the bustling Washington, D.C. area in the first real cultural shift and shock like of our married life and of our ministry life. And um, I interned there uh, as well and then eventually got hired on to work in the youth ministry and um, loved it there and loved the challenges and the people that it, uh, it kind of presented and just, gosh, the diversity of D.C. and the pace and the busyness and the honestly the hardness of people there because the the hyper-focus on career and everything else other than just 
being slow and taking time to focus on God or family or anything like that. And it was a very different place for Shana and I, um, her especially being from one of those tiny middle of nowhere towns in Mississippi. Yep. Um, there were a couple of times where I'd get a phone call crying because she went down the wrong road <laughs> in Washington, D.C. and had no idea what to do or where, how to get out of there or if she was going to get arrested because she was doing something illegal she didn't know. Or, um, and so that was a really different time. And, and from there, we, I felt, uh, felt the call really to, to kind of branch out. We, uh, we took a chance and took a leap um, to go back to the south, and we went just north of, uh, of New Orleans to Hammond, Louisiana, to help with a church plant uh, that acquaint- an acquaintance of ours had started. Um, and there ran the student ministry, and I was over the worship ministry and the 5,000 other things that go along with doing a church that when it's a church plant and there's only two people to do stuff, somebody's got to do a whole lot of it. Um, and so through that, we, we, we grew, and um, I think moving to Ohio, where it wasn't the biggest cultural shift for us, I think it was the, it was the biggest leap. Because at this point, it was a, look, we don't, this bouncing around thing has been great, but we're just wanting to start a family. We want to invest in people in the long run. We want to be somewhere that feels like home, but that feels like we're challenged. We want to be somewhere that where we live feels familiar, but that we're going to watch it change and we're going to be a part of it changing and we're going to acclimate to the culture in some ways and bring some of ours along with us and really see families and and students grow and and honestly see our family uh, and our two little boys grow. Um, I think the the details of of actually getting to West Hill were, were are to me they're still incredible the process and the interview process of getting here and and seeing how that works um but that's gosh i feel like i ask myself every other day how did we get here to <laughs> the frozen north yep. canada south um, <laughs> and 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 there's so many little variables that that seem to be pulled together by god and all right so we I, you just mentioned it we have to just talk about this real quick so you I interviewed you. Like so, mm-hmm. before you before you were hired here, I actually was the first person that you talked to, and probably had multiple conversations with before you met anybody else on staff. And then yeah. I was also the one that picked you and your wife up from the airport when you came when you flew in for the interview. And you told me a really interesting story, a funny story. I don't know if you remember telling me this or not, but you mentioned to me that your wife Shana didn't actually know where <laughs> where this part of the country was. One wow. and two didn't realize how close it was to actual <laughs> Canada. And it's just funny, like, you just said Canada South, you know, everyone from Northeast Ohio is going to not, they're going to roll their eyes at that, but whatever. Um, so, so like, just kind of, like, give us a little bit of, like, what was that initial conversation like when your wife comes home and you're like, hey, I interviewed for a church today, and here's where this church is. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, a couple of things about her. She uh, had never seen snow until college, um, something that's very rare for Northeast Ohio, probably impossible. Uh, she didn't own a coat uh, <laughs> until we flew up here for the first time. Like a good, like, you're going to be in some cold weather. You need something to, to keep you from dying coat. <laughs> um, and so uh, before we came up here, I said, well, we're going we're gonna to go. We, it's going to be cold. Don't, don't freak out. It's winter. It's okay. It's, it's cold everywhere in winter except where, you, where you're used, from, used to, uh, of course. And, uh, and we got off the plane um, 
And I remember in between like one of those safe moments where it's like, okay, somebody that, you know, we're meeting can't hear me. It is so cold. <laughs> where are we? And so I, I pulled up a phone, uh, a map on my phone in the, in, the, uh, in the hotel room that night. And I said, this map doesn't have any names on it. I want you to point and tell me where you think we are. Um, and she landed on Minnesota. <laughs> and I said, well... Um, a couple of things. That's fair. It's cold there too. Um, and also you have had no need of knowing any state other than the Southeast of the United States, um, until now, but no, we're over here. And yes, that is Lake Erie and right over there is Canada. That we're, we're closer to Canada than anything else. Uh, and, and so, um, it threw in a, a little bit of extra shock, um, aside from the temperature into her life really quickly when we, when we got here, um, but if she had, I, I had kind of thought, because uh, it was cold when we came. Yeah. So from my from my side of that same story again. So I picked you guys. I picked you guys up from the airport. I'm pretty sure I was by myself. I don't think my wife was with me. I think it was just. I think it was just me. I can't remember. But she. She was. She, she was. was she, she was with me. Okay. She was given the the official Wayne County tour. Yes. As the, as the townie. Yeah. So it's so funny. I remember picking you guys up, and I. So again, you you live here long enough, and you've probably lived here long enough now that you can see. You're going to recognize what I'm talking about. You can always tell someone who is coming to the north that's not from the north. Oh, man. And your wife had on an insane amount of clothes. I didn't even, I like what ended up being her scarf, I actually thought was her jacket. I was like, like I don't, I don't, wait, that's, that, that's, a, that's an awesome jacket. It's a lot of fabric, and I could see her eyes. And then when we get indoors, I realized that's a scarf. That's not, that's that's not a, a jacket. That's that's because cool. every young woman in the South owns scarves, thinking that they'll use them and never do. And then finally, <laughs> when there's a chance, every one of them have to go on. Yeah, so uh, that, it's just so funny. I just remember one of my first conversations with, with Shayna for a while. She just kept saying, yeah, we live in Canada South. So it's just really funny. Um, all right, so out of, out of all the places you've been, you, you said it a few moments ago, like, I find myself asking often, how did I get here? I find myself asking that all the time, not just to this physical location, not just to this church, but you know, I'm sitting and writing a sermon note. How do, how do we get here? Or I'm reading, you know, I'm reading a letter from Paul and I'm mm -hmm. like, how, like, why did he even have to go here? How did mm -hmm. he get here? You yeah. read uh, about, about the letters um, to the churches at the time and the things that were going on. So you can ask that question in ministry all the time. How do we get here? How did I get, how did they get, get to where they were? Uh, but out of all the places that you've worked, you you know early on in ministry you have to intern a lot you make no money you move a lot uh out of all the places that you've been what's the place where that you've been where you found yourself asking that question or some version of that question the most like how do we end up here hmm i think i think in different aspects it's two different places um the things that come to mind like dc was very much a how did we get here from from rural Mississippi to there's 3,000 people in this church and the state senator from Oklahoma just came to camp with us because he's a chaperone. <laughs> like those things were so far removed from, and, and it was one of those like us realizing this is not, man, the pace of all the people around us is not our pace. Like the career and the politic and the like so driven to be on the hill and work 80 hours a week just to just to you know climb that ladder was so not us and so that was a very a very real like wow how 
how do we get here? We love what we're doing and we love the students and we love the people that we know, but wow, we're, how did we get here? Like, how did, how did little us get to this huge place to get a chance to interact with these people at all? And then I would say right now, um, in less of a location, but more of a, uh, like life station. Mm-hmm. How did we get to, we have a two year old and a one year old who are both nuts <laughs> and one that's going to already eat us out of our home. Like, how did we, get, how did we get to three years ago? It was, it was me and Shana in, in the South where it was warm. And now we're, we have, we have two little kids that, yeah, yeah. and we're like in a complete, we have completely different friend group. We have a completely different like routine. We have completely different, almost everything aspect of our life other than, than her and I. And, and that's the, the piece I think that's the biggest. How did we like looking back on how did we get here with blessed with two wonderful, healthy kids and, and with a church family and with the community that we have and with, you know, grandparents that will at the drop of a hat hop on a plane if they need to come up here to, to babysit. How did we get to this is who we are now? And yeah. so that's been the that's been the biggest shift. Um, it's almost like the shift that our family together has gone through of a when when did this happen? I, it seems like we were just like drop of a hat. You wanna go see a movie? Because it's Tuesday and we're not doing anything? Yeah. Sure. To we need to find a babysitter for everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and and somebody's got to put other people to sleep at like 7.30 at night mm-hmm. now. And, and so that's that's been the weirdest shift of how did this happen? Yeah, I think for a lot of pastors, I think people don't realize this. And, you know, we ask ourselves that question all the time. The thing that I ask all the time, I look at myself in the mirror. I know who I am. I'm learning more every mm-hmm. day of who I am as a man, um, as a husband, as a father. And then I know my weaknesses. I know my blind spots. I know the things I'm good at. And I look at myself in the mirror and I, th- and I think, and I'm like, how in the world did I get to the place where I am the leader of people? Like, how <laughs> did I get to the place where yeah. I stand on a stage and I open the word of God and I say something directly out of it with the purpose of getting people back to God and encouraging them to live a life that's pleasing to him? How, like, how do I get to that place? How do you, you know, like, and it's, and I, th- I think, I think a lot of people think that pastors feel like they're invincible. Now, don't get me wrong. There's been through through the history of the world some pastors that have really not done a great job and have given us a terrible rap. But I think a lot of times people don't realize, like, pastors, we stand in awe. Like, I'm in awe every day. Like, you used this always gets in trouble for his mouth yeah. kid from the Bahamas and move him. Black kid from the Bahamas. I think that's, like, it's not all about racial things, but I think that's important to note. Like, from the Bahamas, and you move him to Northeast Ohio, where I am literally the like one of maybe four black people that go to church here, um, and one of them is your son. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, like so, so, and and then, and again, that stuff doesn't matter to me because I don't see that. Like, I, I don't look at myself and have to and see that. But I think about those things, and I and I ask, like, how in the world did I get to this place where? God is using me in spite of those things and because of those things to be an influence to other people. And I think it's, it's, it's such a sobering thought. And I think any pastor anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, even if they're from that place, they ask themselves that question because when you really get an understanding of what our role is and how important it is, it's, it's a heavy question. It's a heavy thing mm-hmm. to go through every day to think, man, how do I get here? 
look at what I'm doing, look at the importance of what I'm doing. Um, so we mentioned we mentioned about pastoral ministry, and there's a lot of aspects to pastoral ministry. Like the reality is, there's not a ton of difference. I mean, like pastoring is um, is pretty pretty straightforward. But because of the way our churches are structured, uh, we have pastors that f- that fill specific roles, and your specific role is student ministry. So why student ministry? How did you get to student ministry? Why student ministry? Yeah, uh, I think I think no question the starting point of that answer is because. Uh, student ministry is what most directed me towards God. Um, while I was in student ministry is when uh, things started to change for me and things started to click and I started to know who God was and started to see God working in my life and, and how He was changing my heart. It's where my relationship with, with Jesus started. Um, and then there was this little, like, almost this pattern of immediately after high school and after student ministry, getting these opportunities to help in other people's student ministries. At this point, I didn't, I didn't know, hey, this is what I want to do. I, I 100% didn't want to do it. Um, but it was this, hey, I know you can sing and lead worship. Can you come do that at this camp for me? We need somebody. Well, sure. Um, hey, I need somebody to come do a small group for this retreat that I'm doing. Can you come lead one? Uh, sure, I, I guess. Why not? And, um, two years into college, I, I kind of had this this like clashing um, in my mind of probably the stereotypical like, no, I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to be in ministry because I want to be successful, <laughs> right? The, the like stereotypical like. I don't want to be broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I want, I want my dad to look at me and go, wow, like I'm proud of what you've made, your put, made yourself into or, um, you know, I want to be able to support a family. I want to be able to have the stuff and I want to be able to, you know, climb a ladder and things and and I didn't understand at that time you know I had a super worldly view of what success might be and what I thought the expe- expectation of this is what it is to be you know a, a functioning adult and successful in the world and uh, I finally had this kind of clash in my mind and in my heart of why does that stuff matter more than what God has designed you to do mm. Um, and there was this like moment of self-awareness, but almost this awareness of the Holy Spirit of being able to look back on, well, this is why you're gifted to be able to do this. This is why you've been given this opportunity. All these things stack up because whether you like it or not, I'm wanting to and ready to and been preparing you to use you in ministry and specifically in student ministry. Um, it's interesting. I, I almost wondered when I first started in student ministry, okay, there's a lot of people that start in student ministry and then they transition out because, you know, they want to be a pastor and they want to be a lead pastor and run a church and, and preach on Sunday morning to, to the masses and things like that. And I always wondered, like, will that happen? Is that a thing? I don't feel that. And even now, more than 10 years in, I've, I've turned 30-something, 31 or 32 this year, I don't remember, but, and I, and I haven't. Like, my heart for watching young people start to get it like just continues to fuel the fire and continues to to be something that i just have a passion for and um and until that changes i i plan on being in student ministry and doing everything i can um to to help god affect and impact the the lives of students and so why student ministry i think is and of course this is the super pastory thing to say is because that's 100% what I feel God has 
to this point equipped me for and given me a passion for. Um, and so I, I try my best not to argue with him. Uh, I still do it. Um, I lost that really big one in college that ended up in student ministry. But that, I think, again, it's, it's, a, it's a passion that I have, and it's a not, I don't think it's necessarily a skill, but, but something that God has equipped me to, to be able to do um, effectively for his kingdom. Yeah, so you mentioned about, you know, the exciting thing is when students start to get it. You mm. know, we get, you know, pa- all pastors, we know it's like, it, the exciting thing is when people start to get it. You know, yeah. in your case, it's students. In my case, it's, it's a different, you know, demographic of people. But, you know, let's, let, let's go both ends of the spectrum here. So what's the most energizing thing about being a pastor? And then, you know, you swing the pendulum the, the, the other way. What's the most discouraging aspect of pastoring? Uh, I'm going to start good because that's, how, that's where I'm feeling now. So I don't, <laughs> don't want to crush my spirit yet. Uh, but w- there's this, there's a really cool thing that, that I think if you're lucky, you get to see in ministry. And you may see it more than once. You may um, see differing levels of it. But it's this, it's this idea of momentum, um, this idea of seeing God gain traction in a group of people um, and mm-hmm. seeing their, their lives build um, and seeing their faith build and build and build and when that happens, it's this beautiful like melding of community where people are excited to be around each other, where uh, friendships or, are natural and organic, and there's not this forced feeling in a room when, well, this is just the room we meet in at this time because we're this age and I'll sit through it, but this, this I'm engaged and ready to be here. And, and then you're seeing, you know, in discussions or in small groups, you see somebody's wheels turning or they answer a question that you go, wow, that, that came out of your mouth. Like you're processing that. And a year ago when we met, like you, you were nowhere near that. Right, right. Or when you start having conversations or hear back from small group leaders or talk to students about, hey, I'm ready to be baptized. Like nothing's more energizing than, than getting to be a part of someone's story of, of their relationship with Jesus. And, and all of those things melding together, um, make this beautiful thing of like, as you see a ministry, but specifically a group of people grow together and, and become a family together and go through uh, being a part of each other's story and, and getting to witness the way God is moving them and honestly, the way that they're responding to it. Yeah. You know, because there's, I think the, the adverse side of that as we swing the pendulum is seeing all of those things present but then seeing a person just completely rejected yeah. or one of the hard things about student ministry is I see them. I have someone specifically like during some really formative years, um, you know, I have students from age 11 to 18. Um, the, I mean, it's a ridiculous the amount of changes, not just things like body, but the way their personalities change, the way their mm-hmm. minds work, the mm-hmm. way they're, they're, I mean, their culture is going to change probably eight times in, in that span of years. Their ability even to process what it is that they're walking mm. through and teaching changes from year to year. Absolutely. Well. Uh, and so when they leave, usually what happens is they go away for at least four years. Sometimes when they come back or you see someone after, hey, how are you doing? Oh, 
I'm doing awesome. Let me tell you about, I've, you know, you hear the great things about, oh, well, this one's been on this mission trip or this one is married or this one is, you know, you're doing great things. And like, I've started this group and, um, you know, my faith is stronger than it's ever been. And God has been really showing me things. And there's the same amount of stories that are not that, mm. that are, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think one of the hardest things about ministry is, and when someone figures this out, I want to know how to do it. I can't make anyone care. Yeah. Um, and that that's what hard. I want to do the most. Yeah. <laughs> is, is so, so last week, um, you know, I, I teach an adult Sunday school class here at our church. And right now, the study that we're in, you know, I thought as I was prepping for the study, I thought, you know what, I want people to have all the tools that they can have mm. to be successful at this study. Yep. Right. I, I handed out the breakdown of the of the scripture and you know the summary and the history and the background so that they can have everything they possibly can when they sit down to study and dive into it that they can so that they can be successful at it. Um, and I had one of those weak pastor moments during during right smack dab in the middle of teaching. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of I look at my notes and I say, you know what, I'm gonna go off off the notes for a second, you know. And I mean, maybe I yelled. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, uh, there's there's audio and video out there. Maybe we can go back and check it out. Passionately. Yeah, talk passionately. Yes, maybe I, I I talk passionately and I said, hey, you know what? You know what's frustrating is we put all the info out there. I and it's not about me. You know, I'm using I'm using the phrase I, but it's not about me. I. I put all the tools out there and put you in a position to be most successful. And I told him, you know, I'm terrified to ask every week, hey, how many people did mm. the study this week? How many people did it? I'm terrified to ask that because I know that the answer is probably 20%. And I, I'm, I'm afraid to be hurt. I'm afraid for my feelings to be hurt or to be broken. I, it's not even my feelings, my my desire to see people grow. It's not, That's a better way of saying that. Like my desire to see people grow. I'm afraid for that to be hurt. So last week, Actually, it was the early part of this week. Um, you came into my office and we were talking about something else, and I and the conversation, as often happens with pastors, you know, we, you know, it got to that point, and I mentioned that to you, and you said something yeah. that stuck out to me, and I, I kind of want you to to use this image to kind of explain or illuminate why this thing, based on the picture is the most discouraging thing. So I shared this with you. I was sharing my heart with you in reference to like, that's how I felt. And you said, this is what you said to me. You said, every Monday morning, I walk into my office, or into our common area, and I see the stack of devotionals mm -hmm. that I printed for people the week before, and I get heartbroken when I look at that stack of devotionals, and I see that it's almost as high as it was yeah. when I printed it the week before for that upcoming weekend. So just like use that picture, right? Like people, those are the things that people don't know about pastors. <laughs> yeah. Those are the things that they don't, they don't see. So through that picture, through that image, like why is the picture of the stack of devotionals being almost as high so discouraging? It's, <laughs> it goes so far like beyond the, hey, I said grab these and you just didn't. Like it's, it's not, it's, I don't know that it's anything about, hey, I asked you to do something and you didn't. I think it's 100% about, I'm trying to help you learn more about who God is, about who you are. And we're trying to resource you in every way possible. 
and I'm putting, we're putting so much into, and you do the same thing, putting so much into, I'm going to prepare a lesson to, to hopefully, in, in the best way I possibly can, help you see what the scriptures say about Jesus and who he is and who you are in that. Um, but I have you, I have you for 30 minutes. <laughs> and what I want is Jesus to be a part of the rest of your life. And I'm trying to give you the easiest way to do that possible. Yeah. This is already made for you. I've got it stacked up. It's at the door. You don't have to go anywhere special. It's at the door, <laughs> <laughs> like literally at the door. Uh, it would take you seven minutes and it walks through the exact, you wouldn't even have to be learning much anything new. It's the exact thing we just talked about, just diving a little deeper and helping you process. And I'm going, hey, this is a way that you could have more Jesus in your life. And I'm saying that because I think it's important. I know it's important. I want that for you. I want to, if I could be at each one of your lunch table and go, here, here's some Jesus. You need this too. Don't just talk about this. Like, get this in your life. And I'm excited because we had a good morning of, of teaching and, and the room has felt good. And then I come in and I go, that's a really big stack of devotionals. <laughs> that 30 minutes is where it stopped. Yeah. Jesus. The 30 minutes of teaching. The 30 yeah. minutes yeah. of teaching is where it stopped. It's, there weren't very many people that thought it important enough to grab, to have an excuse to have just the tiniest bit more Jesus in their day. Yeah. And so every, every Monday, because I, I, I have to physically grab that stack and throw it away or recycle, recycle it. it I, yeah. and, and I go, this is a stack of students not using these devotionals. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell myself, but the reason they're not using these devotionals will not be because they don't have them. Right. They will not be, it will not be because we're not resourcing them. It will not be because I don't care enough to make these available. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, so, and so I have to, every, I mean, every week tell myself that, that you know what, whoever took the four, I hope this is a, the best week of that that it can be. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that these were here for those four. I'm so glad these were here for the 60. And I wish all the 60 would take them. But if one takes one, it's yeah. worth it. Like, yeah, and I, I, I have think, to think that way. And I think it's that, it's that range of emotions that, oh, yeah. that pastors have to manage, right? You mm-hmm. have to manage because even just talking about it, like, I mean, obviously, I'm the only one that can see your face. <laughs> but like, even just talking about it, you can see it. I can see the emotion on your face. I can see it. And it comes out weird, right? Like, I, was like, I mean, pastors, I think the longer you're a pastor, the longer you're a public speaker in this regard, you just get weirder and weirder because your emotions are just, you know, you just go through the roof. And, I, and yeah. they, it, they yeah. just come out weird. And sometimes, you know, it's this mix of heartbrokenness and sadness and anger and frustration and something else. Uh, and you, you really have to manage yourself because... You know, we could become sinful about something that's godly. So it it just makes it it really makes for a difficult thing. Um, so you know, like uh, like th- here's some like some other things. Like what are what are some things about pastors in general as a group? As you have been exposed to them, you are a part of that group. If you will. what are some things about pastors that people don't know or that they just often miss? What have you noticed? I think um, one regular people. For the, yeah. for, for the most part, yeah. there's probably a 5% of people like that I've met in passion. I go, all right, maybe you're not a normal person, um, <laughs> but, that's, but that's okay. You, that's, God has you there, and that's cool. Um, but I think that's a huge one. And like, I think the farther I get in pastoring, I forget. Like I, I kind of allow myself to forget 
that people see you a little differently and mm. then and then something will happen and I'll be like I'll remember oh yeah I'm just a pastor to you yeah um, which I get I, that's one of the things I'm 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 here to do it's a purpose that I have um, but I'm not like a like this alien of sorts that operates differently than you do internally or anything like that and so that uh, I think that's one that people like I don't know that they would say that out loud um, I've had some people say that out loud you're a pastor you're different mm-hmm. um, but but one that I think usually happens and honestly happens in every stop that I've been at like <laughs> there's no demographic that that seems to disappear from um, that that's one that seems to be across country and across most demographics yeah. um, what about Go ahead. I think as far as something that people don't know either um, or maybe don't don't quite understand, um, even if you know that we do more than Sunday you know, morning or Sunday night teaching and, and you like you like will concede that, OK, yes, you work Monday through Friday, too. I think what they don't understand or maybe don't see as much is it's really hard for that to even just be it. It's really hard for being a pastor to not be 24 seven. Even when you're actively trying to turn it off and and segment some like, this is not a work time. My wife is a nurse. When she gets home, it's it's over. She turns it off. We don't don't have to talk about how are your patients and let's break down how that went and and who was where and this and that. But it, it is really, really taxing that it just doesn't stop. Yeah, it does not stop. Like, ever. Like, one of the things, I, I say this to people through teaching, you know, when I'm on a stage, and, I, and I, I know people believe me, but it's one of those things, like, just the way my brain works. I'm a night owl. I've always been a night owl. Um, and like you said, you know, you work really hard to shut it off. And it is quite honestly the most, ener- like, the most exciting thing and could be really discouraging when your brain finally settles down. It's 1 a.m. You're like, I'm going to go to bed. You lay in bed and then something comes to mind and then you can't shut it off you pop yeah. out of bed you land on two feet and then you write a sermon and you look at the you look at the clock and it's 2 30 in the morning and you're like now i'm excited and when am i gonna get yeah. to preach this you know and you, you you just don't you don't shut it off and obviously there's some other things there's some perks if you if you want to call them that 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 obviously that we have as pastors you know flexibility in our work day if you want to call it that or you know the 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 ability to be available for more um, what people will label it as social. It's not always social for us, but you know just yeah. being able to be in directly involved in people's lives. So yeah, it, it is hard to to shut that off. Um, so two two things two things you wish you knew before becoming a pastor. Oh man, I think <laughs> I think one is is I wish I would have known. Um, because I, I believe this to be true, and I don't, I don't think I'd find somebody that would argue. Um, as far as a career and, and thinking of it that way business-wise, there is no harder industry than people. Mm-hmm. There's no more taxing industry than people. Uh, and I don't, I don't think of church as a business, but as we talk about, like, if you're making the call or trying to discern, like, what is my career path, I wish somebody would have told me on the front end, hey, there's gonna be a lot about this that you won't see coming. Mm-hmm. There'll be a lot about this that will be really hard. And I think you alluded to it earlier, um, the emotional toll it takes. Mm-hmm. If I had had any way to prepare for what it would be emotionally 
going through life with people, watching people leave, watching people come, moving, um, watching what ministry does emotionally to my family and to my wife and the decisions that we have to make, um, I don't think it would have deterred me because at, the, at that point I wouldn't have understood anyway. But um, any heads up about the, the challenge of, of what it is to work with people but to invest in people mm. and be, be so invested in people that in a pastoring sense – um, that it, it kind of consumes most everything else in your life. Like yeah. it, it, it really spills over into everything. Um, and I think the other one, uh, as far as things that I wish I had known beforehand, I wish I would have known, um, or I wish I would, it would have been made like, no, 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 wait, you need to understand this, that I'm not really the driving force behind some of really most all of mine and my family's huge life decisions mm. i don't get to go hey you, you just want to go live somewhere tropical it's too cold here <laughs> like <laughs> uh or or you know what i'm i'm tired of working at this plant i'm gonna i'm gonna go get a job over here and see how it goes and i, mm-hmm. I think that's something i'd love to do now i think there's some advantages of that that you know i that i feel my purpose and my call and that i don't have any doubt in it but at the same time, that's me trying to listen to and discern the will of God, not, well, what do we want to do? Where would be cool? Yeah. Like, where would be cool for us to live? Where do we, you know, what weather do we like? Where, where do we want the boys to be? What would be really convenient for us close to family-wise? Like, a lot of the large decisions in our life, we're, we're not the driver of those things. And yeah. so that was... Um, Again, I don't know that it would have changed anything, but I think I would have been more prepared for the, how is this going to work? Yeah. How, uh, to, to be able to answer that question, how do we get here? How yeah, are we going to get I 100% agree with you. I mean, it's worded differently, but I, I wish so bad that someone would have told me that I would care this much. Oh, I yeah. really wish. I, I wish that, you know, like, and just my personality, like, it's built into my personality to be very much like, well, that's not working out. I don't really care. On to the next thing. Like, and I have to fight yeah. that. And not only do I have to fight it, but it's interesting when God starts to change that. Like, so I, it's so funny. I went home a couple months ago and I told my wife, and I was so mad. I was so frustrated. I was like, you know what? I'm losing my ability to not care anymore. And she's like, what are you talking about? I was like, it was so easy for me to not care. I could just easily be like, I don't care. I don't care. Forget them. Forget this. And I'm losing that. I wish so bad someone would have told me before become a, becoming a pastor that you are going to care an incredible amount. Yeah, that is. I think that might be one of the biggest markers of of the way that Jesus has changed my life. Because before Jesus, every bit of my life was pointed to don't get connected to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from a divorced family. I went to 10 different schools before graduating high school. And so I don't have close friends that I grew up with because I didn't grow up with anybody. We bounced and I wouldn't be connected and I would, you know, I'd keep my distance and something happened. Oh, well, it happened or wouldn't care what people thought or any of that stuff. Um, and then I've complete, I feel the complete shift of, well, now I... I, I do care. <laughs> I yeah. am connected. I don't <laughs> love it sometimes, but but I feel this difference of of loving people in a way that I almost think that the rest of my life 
especially before Jesus, was was training me not to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is super, super strange when you grow up as the, well, yeah, that's the, um, he's A, hyper-competitive, and he doesn't care what anybody thinks. He's going to speak his mind. He, you know, whatever. He doesn't mind it, care if he pushes people away to a pastor, yeah. <laughs> which is the exact opposite, yeah, like, mindset and, <laughs> mind, mindset and heart. And, and that's been the weirdest shift in the world of, because um, there's so many people, I think, that that see that side, especially people that have known me for, for kind of forever, that, yeah, you remember when Andrew was this guy, was this kid? Mm-hmm. He, he, he loves people. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and, and as a pastor, like that's, that's yeah. so strange. Yeah. Yeah. Very. So, um, we, we, we've kind of talked about some aspects of this already. We've alluded to it, you know, being pastoring has so many unique elements to it. And I, and, I, and we, we've obviously been around other people who have other jobs and other, um, careers. And we know that, you know, really almost any line of work can be interesting mm-hmm. almost. Um, but, uh, what what's the thing about pastoring that you that you've learned that uh, that almost all pastors can't get away from? It is what it is, but that you recognize that you resisted maybe early on, maybe even still resist. What's the thing about that's unique about pastoring that be, that's really hard for us to get away from, but you resisted it? I think this is a little twofold for me not to sound like a broken record but that that whole people caring thing that whole I am going to be available I am going to answer the phone when you need something no matter what this you know going on with my day or my family you're, you're going to get some of me um, and then I you know I think that that tends to happen to everybody though and, and so that's the thing I think that I was kind of annoyed with at first like that not this like hey leave me alone but oh no this is a phone call this is going to be one of two things this is i'm about to have to leave or i've got to listen to this or i you know this could this could ruin the rest of our night together family just <laughs> to hold on let me put all of us on hold real yeah. quick so i and and in this and it's almost this it's not that i don't want to do that it's almost the i can't i care i have to i have to do this like this this whole pastoring heart thing is is taking over, and I I need to I need to do it, and um, and I think the other one, and and this is going to sound strange, at the beginning of ministry, um, especially kind of the vocational, like okay, now you're going to be, I'm I'm, you're being called to student ministry. Um, I did not love the idea of teaching consistently hmm. because I. I was a little, I'm a little more, I lean a little more introverted. Um, and so at that point it was a, this is a skill that I, I'm going to have to learn mm. how to do. Um, you know, I would, you know, I, at that point I had lots of opportunities to lead worship and, you know, there's that sense of, well, cool, this is somebody else's song and I'm behind a guitar and, and no one's really focused on me. Hopefully they're, they're singing and they're, mm. they're on something else, but I've got, I've got to learn to love how to teach. I, I love the preparing work because I would geek out over like, oh, I learned this really cool thing about this portion of scripture and what it meant then and like all these little pieces that led to this and and would really geek out and it would excite me about that. But then I'd go, now I have to tell somebody else, uh, a group of somebody else's. And and honestly, I, I need 
to be good at it because I don't want to present this poorly. And it was one of those like, oh, can I figure out a different way to do this? Of course, no, you can't. But it was one of those like, this is a one of the key roles of what this job is going to be. But it's it's not one that like I naturally love. And so I, I resisted the kind of like, oh, but I can't. I don't need to be student pastor because I don't I don't know about this teaching thing yeah. and the like the like speaking to everyone and, and and doing that well and and connecting you know these scriptures with that 12-year-old and these scriptures with that 17-year-old and 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 so that was nerve-wracking um, and and something that again one of the things that didn't come supernaturally to me um, so then I guess did come supernaturally yeah. to me yeah <laughs> Um, all right, so let's get into some fun things here. So we know that as pastors, one of the unique things about our job is, you know, through the connection of people, mm-hmm. they feel specifically connected to us, you know, and obviously we feel specifically connected to them. Sure. But one of the ways we see that is through gift giving, right? So people yeah, yeah. give pastors gifts all the time. Some of them are awesome. <laughs> all of them are awesome because of the place that it's coming from. Right. right? Yeah, so yeah. Let me start again. All of them are awesome oh. because of the place that they're coming from. They are heartfelt, and we, we know that. However, some of them miss the mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So, so what's, the, what's the most interesting gift that you have received since being a bastard? Uh, I'm going to cheat a little bit, if that's okay, um, because this one's too interesting not to, not to cheat a little bit for. Uh, before I was uh, uh, kind of vocational on staff as a pastor anywhere, um, I was leading worship for a camp, for a youth camp one summer. Uh, and it was a group that I had been with before. Um, and so they were familiar with me. They had their camp kind of the same week every summer. Uh, and I would, I would come and bring a band and lead worship and, um, and get to do like fun things, like play with them. And, and every time I did that, I tried to, this, this should have been a clue to, you probably want to be a pastor and don't know it. I would try to get to know students and like connect with them and like, you know, not just be the, I'm the dude singing that I disappear, but, yeah. but connect with them. And so one year, um, every year it always fell. My birthday was while I was at this camp. Uh, and one girl, um, and this came from the best place. <laughs> she, she was, it was heartfelt. It was, um, she meant no, no harm by it. She, she really genuinely wanted to give me this gift. Um, and, and this makes sense because this group was from Louisiana, New Orleans area. And so it was just a little more common. Um, but this girl legitimately brought to church camp to gift me the worship leader for my birthday, a Ouija board. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Of Uh, of all the gifts that that you could think, this is what, this is what he should have. This is what I would like for him to have and that he would love. That is unbelievable. (laughs) <laughs> and so I, I had to tiptoe this really, really crazy line of like seeing this and seeing her face of like, I'm so happy I got to give you something and kind of going that, how do I burn this now without hurting your feelings <laughs> of what just happened? Like this moment of had to have been the Holy Spirit intervening of like not making my jaw drop or yeah. not making me say are you the craziest person alive? Yeah. And and it, that's actually what happened. We we slipped it kind of, you know, when no one was looking to the to the staff at the camp, and uh, they were like, "What do we do with this?" And we're like, I, "We burn it? I don't know." And so they <laughs> took it out in the woods and burned it, wow. like that's... at camp. And um, thankfully, she was none the wiser. But it was 
easily the weirdest thing I've ever been gifted. Um, but just like you said, it, w- it was from a place of <laughs> I, I genuinely care and want to give you something for your birthday. And come to find out her and her mom, like, it's, it's always an interesting sentence when you hear someone say, well, my psychic, right, like it's yeah, theirs. Yeah. And the, like, they had this standing relationship. And so it was this, man, this super weird thing of, yeah. I don't want you to hurt because I'm going to burn this, but yeah. I'm going to burn it. It's, it's so, it's such an interesting thing of like in pastoral life. Like, so, all right. So we, we live here in Northeast Ohio. Like I said, I've, I've lived here for eight years now. You're, you've been here two-ish. Yeah. This is the start of three. Yeah. yeah so almost three, it's three years. And so one of the things that happened all the time when I first moved here was people would give gifts from a good place, but they gave them based off of what they thought you should have. Mm. And so we live, you know, for those of you that don't know, uh, you know, Ohio is called the Buckeye State, and there's a lot of things that come along with that. Um, but one of the things that I thought was interesting was because of where we live, just the, the variety of things that I've got. I've got everything from, like, actual Buckeyes, which is these, like, peanut butter dropped things that mm-hmm. are that are like dipped in chocolate and uh, they are pretty good. Um, yeah, it's a round Reese's. Yeah, it's, yeah, basically, <laughs> yep. Um, um, from that to, you know, an actual Ohio State Buckeye sweatshirt, which I think is funny because nobody <laughs> took the time to ask, are you a sports fan? And if you are a sports fan, who are the teams that you like? They're like, nope, you live in Ohio. You have to be an Ohio State fan. Yeah. Um, similar to your Ouija board, I <laughs> also took that to the woods and burned it. Appropriate. Um, yes, <laughs> so, the appropriate action. So, um, you know, other things like um, baked goods. And, you know, there, there's a lady at our church who makes her own fruit roll-ups. They are awesome. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, get pa- I get a bag, a paper bag full oh, of man. passion fruit. Oh. Handmade, homemade passion fruit fruit roll ups every year. Uh, I look forward to those. Those those are awesome. The um, Ohio passion fruit. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, the Ohio passion fruit, whatever that is. Um, but they're good. So it's just it's just fun. It's just one of those fun things that I think people don't know about pastors. I remember this. I know you remember it. I'm pretty sure it was like your first week, maybe first week or two of being on staff here. Somebody dropped off for you as a welcome gift. Welcome to Ohio. Welcome to Westville Baptist Church. Welcome to being a new member of the team. They dropped off a cooler full <laughs> of Ohio's <laughs> finest cuts of beef. They did. <laughs> we had a whole half of a cow, like, already prepared. Thank goodness, because we wouldn't have known what to do with it otherwise. Um, funny story, that thing lasted us about a year and a half. Hey, that was a great but Yeah, hey, a great you fed my family, whatever that came yeah. from. Yeah, but it, it's things like that that I think <laughs> that... Um, you know, we talked about some of the difficult things, some of the, mo- the, you know, the emotional things, but it's things like that. It's things like, you know what, this person gave this from the heart um, because of something that we would have done for them through, you know, really just through being obedient yeah. to God. Like it's, it's things like, hey, you know what, we're getting married and we'd love for you to officiate our wedding. You know, those things are exciting. Or, hey, you know what, we're, you know, we just had a baby and we want you to be a part of our, our baby dedication. Those are some things. Um, and so... You know, one of the, you know, just just kind of like another fun thing to talk through. So you and I are from both completely different cultures from each other and from the place where we do ministry. Um, And really, we could spend a whole episode on on just the culture of where we live. And I'm sure that's, you know, that's the case wherever people live. Um, But what are some of the things like how, how have you found how much did you find yourself having to make adjustments adjustments to how you pastor based on the culture and subculture that you are in so i mean obviously you you mentioned some of the other places that you've been but 
today. So like how like what are some of the adjustments that you found yourself making simply because of the culture and the subculture that we live in? Yeah, I think um um, well, first of all, I've I've had to go to to pig shows now, so so that's been a huge adjustment. So just for clarification, you said pig shows. Pig shows. Yep, yep. yep. I've had to go to those. Um, I never in my life thought that would happen, um, and it has. Uh, <laughs> thanks to the culture that we live in, um, I think one of the beautiful things about the culture here, because um, sometimes I think it's really easy when you talk about culture, you go, okay, what are the things you don't like? What are the mm-hmm. things that are wrong? Or what are the the, the not-so-pretty things about a culture. <laughs> Why do people eat that? <laughs> <laughs> Why do people eat that? Yeah. Uh, but we, I have found that one of the, the beautiful things about the culture here is the emphasis and the importance kind of placed on um, the, the family group, mm. like the family itself. Uh, I mean, we're in a church here at West Hill that you know, sees multiple generations at church at the same time with each other. Um, that sees kids upon kids of kids come through it. Um, and, and it's almost, it's this place that, I, and this is a challenge, but I think it, it's got to be one of the best challenges it could be of almost no matter what ministry you serve in here at West Hill, you have to be mindful of the other people surrounding that ministry. So mm-hmm. say mine is students. Well, Almost every one of my students has a younger sibling in the kids' ministry. Mm-hmm. And then um, a lot, if not all, of the parents are in your class. And they come together and they come to learn together. They sit together. They, they kind of operate their weeks with each other. It's not segmented where so-and-so is going this way and dad's off somewhere. And, um, you know, in, in Louisiana, we were there. There was a, a much different Thing where all of the oil field work where well one of the parents is going to disappear for three weeks wow. um, because they're offshore working and they'll come back for a week and be gone again um, but here um, because i think life is so much more holistic and family centric um, ministry almost has to be that way uh, where we have to think of ways to not just resource this 14 year old but how is that going to play into what their seven year old is is going through right now in their class and how can I also get something to the parents of that group you know are the grandparents do they know what's going on and, and it's this interesting thing where um, and you know I think it's fantastic it's 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 very different than than anywhere we've been there's some things that are super familiar about Wayne County but this emphasis on we're a family we're doing this together and we all want to know the business of everybody else in our family I don't. I don't think that's a bad thing. No, uh, I, I think it's it's really really great, and I think it also creates some responsibility and some opportunity for not just us but other pastors in our area as well. That you have to think about the whole family group. You have to. You've got to be interested in. Well, what are your little brothers doing? What you know? I have to know who your mom and dad or grandparents are, and all these different things. And mm. and, and honestly, I think I. I love that idea because I have two little ones. I have a, a two-year-old and a one-year-old. And as opposed to D.C., where it was career-driven, we've God has planted us in a place where it's family-driven, right. where people understand that. And I think, that, I think that's beautiful about the culture here. Yeah, I think it's funny, uh, your, not funny, but it's interesting, your answer. It's, it's, it would have been easy to answer that from a, 
cultural perspective of like the physical location with which we live in the mm-hmm. town or the city or you know the village you know, be there's villages here um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the villages you may live in it'd have been easy to answer the question that way but like we can't help it right like your pastor's heart came out it came people, out yeah, people with yeah. the answer yeah. the answer the most the thing that I've had adjusted to is you know to adjust myself to the people and I think that's the thing that's those are the types of of, of things that uh, I want to kind of like peel back the curtain on that's that's why I want to do this that's why that's why we're having this conversation I think um, you know the world that we live in the especially like f- from the perspective of, of pastoring a lot of people whether they're familiar with church or not so much of our role is reduced to on the stage mm-hmm. on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night it's reduced to this 35 to 45 minute window of teaching and that's kind of like that's the box that we're often put in right and I think that people don't realize that like you said we're normal people we have hobbies we have families who care about the ministry just as much as we do the weight is on on those things you know at the end of the day I still care more about where you are in your relationship with God that's the things that you care about you know that's that that's why I show up to you know someone's house that's having a specific party dinner thing because I care about where those people are in their relationship. <laughs> right. That's why you go to basketball games. That's why I'm on Snapchat. I hate that thing. <laughs> yeah, <but exactly. laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, this, this has been really good. I think, you know, I, I really hope that people, people hear uh, the heart of, of pastors and of ministry. Um, for those that are going to be listening to this, that know you and I personally, um, I hope that they hear another side of what it is yeah. we do and why we do it. Uh, and then for those that may be listening to it that don't know you and I personally, but know another pastor or they have a pastor, that it kind of gives them a, a window into those things. So before we end our time, any last thing um, in reference to or specifically to the, hey, my name is Andrew Rogers. I'm a pastor and whatever, fill in the blank. Yeah, um, this is going to sound so strange, but I'm Andrew, and I'm a pastor, but so is my whole family in a way. Hmm. I'm Andrew, I'm in ministry, but it doesn't stop with me. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm in ministry, but it impacts my family more than any other thing that we do. Hmm. The thing that I do impacts us more than any other thing yeah yeah well i really enjoyed our time today enjoyed the conversation i'm pretty sure this isn't going to be the only time that uh you will be on the podcast we'll have conversations about a lot of things um we we work in the same building and we minister to the same people like you said same the same families uh you know the conversations or the things that's coming out of my mouth and it's coming out of your mouth will have been repeated in the same household um, <laughs> so that's you know it always makes interesting uh, an interesting dynamic as we work together in ministry uh, you know we, we we want you to be encouraged by what you've heard um, if you ever find yourself asking how do I get here you know Andrew um, said a couple things at the beginning of the podcast and he said you know what we just took a leap we, we just took a leap like we we took a leap of faith. We we were we were obedient. We didn't ask too many questions. We just did what God wanted us to do. So uh, this is how do I get here? We have honest and open conversations about what it is that we do, why we do it, and who has called us 
to do it. We hope you have enjoyed today's episode. Please go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. We are available, or this podcast is available wherever you wherever you listen to your podcast. So go ahead and subscribe. Uh, go ahead and give us a rating. If there's a like button, hit the like button. If you have any questions, suggestions, words of encouragement, uh, things you want to hear us talk about, please, uh, you can go ahead and send those to us uh, either through through your podcast app or you can go to to the website as well um, so please uh, check the the comments section for this episode for more information about how some of those things can be done thanks for being with us this is how did i get here <laughs>